But here's, here's what I want to talk about. Here's what I really believe. I've had this, I've had this, this thought in my mind for a little while now. And, and it goes along with this Daring Faith campaign. So if I'm going to title this message, I would call it Daring to Grow Strong in Spirit. Daring to Grow Strong in Spirit. Because, and, and we'll open that up a little bit more as we go on. But here's what I've noticed is that the enemy and the world that we live in is very effective at not just not keeping people in the world, not keeping unbelievers carnal. He does that. They're already, they're already uh, living according to their sinful nature and they're already seeking and desiring the things of the world. They're already living apart from God. But what I found out is that the enemy is very effective at keeping Christians very weak in spirit. The Bible calls it carnality, right? We'll get into that and break that down a little bit more if you've never heard that word before. But he's very effective at keeping Christians carnal, which means that they're very weak in their spiritual life, but they're very active emotionally and in their thought life and in their physical appetites. And ultimately, they allow their thought life and their emotions and how they feel and when they get frustrated, when they get angry and when they get tore up, when somebody talks about them and how they feel when they get up in the morning and how their body feels and their own lust. And all of these things drive and lead their life because deep down, they are very strong in their physical appetites. They're very strong in their soul or their mind and their will and their emotions. And they got these crazy thoughts running around their mind all the time, depressing them and bringing fear and their life and bringing worry and anxiety into their life and bringing anger into their life and it so dominates them that the power of God that is on the inside of them gets chained up and never released because here's what I know is that most of the people that are in here this morning you are a child of God you have an inheritance that you would never believe the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you you have the exact same power that took Jesus' dead body while it was in a tomb and quickened it and raised it from the dead and made it a glorified body so that he could ascend into heaven. The scripture says the same spirit that did that lives on the inside of you. And so oftentimes I would ask myself, well, if that is the truth, why in the world am I not living differently? You ever thought about that? If that same spirit that has that kind of power that can raise Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me, why am I not living differently, Lord? What's going on? You know, it's been, it's been a process throughout the generations of Christianity. Even in the Old Testament, you see God bring the people of God out of Egypt, which is a symbol of God bringing the people out of the slavery of sin and bondage and the world. And when He brings them out, notice that they're still very weak in spirit. They get very upset easily. They look at the leadership and criticize the leadership. They get angry really easy. They say, Lord, well, you brought us out here to die. You know, and they're, they're complaining all the time. It's almost every time they stop somewhere, you would hear complaining, complaining, complaining. Let me tell you what complaining is. It is a notification that you're very weak in spirit. Let that one sit for a minute. If I complain the majority of my days and I'm constantly rolling out these complaints, it's not because it's coming from the Spirit of God in me. It's because the Spirit of God in me has come, is very weak because I'm not growing strong spiritually and I'm allowing my own physical appetites and my own emotions to control who I am rather than the Spirit of God. That's, that's going to be a challenging word for us. But this is something that the Lord began to do to me as soon as I became a Christian. He revealed this message. When I became a Christian, the Lord said, this is, this is what you need to focus on. And he laid it out in front of me, and this is what I'm about to share with you. And it's growing strong in spirit. 
And so see, the, the, the people of God, they would come out of Egypt, they'd come out of this bondage, and they saw Joshua and Caleb. Now the Bible says that Joshua and Caleb, they were of another spirit, of a different spirit. They were strong in spirit. They were strong in faith. And you know what the people of God wanted to do to them? Stone them. Y'all didn't even laugh at that. You, you ever notice that though? That sometimes there's people that are so radical for Jesus that are so on fire for Jesus, so strong for Jesus, they'll get out in a public place and they'll want to lay hands on a sick person. They'll share the gospel when they're out in a public place. And most people, weak, carnal Christians, they don't like that. It makes them uncomfortable. They actually want to, in a sense, kind of say, well, that's a little bit too much, that's a little bit too radical. And to some degree, they dislike it because it challenges their complacency and the comfort that they have being weak in spirit. Y'all with me this morning? This is good so far? So, so 1 Thessalonians 5.23, let's, let's look at this verse really quick. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now I don't know about you, but I want to be sanctified completely. The word, the word sanctify means to be set apart or literally a process of being made holy. A process of being made like God. And so God wants to set us apart and make him like himself. And he wants to do it through peace. Because a lot of us don't live in a place of peace. We live in a place of turmoil and anxiety and fear and all of these things. And then he says, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now God begins to give us an understanding of the way that he made us and the way that he designed us. Because when he made you, you're not just one big glob of meat and bone. You realize that? You are a spirit who has a soul and lives in a body. Your body is actually not necessarily the inner part of your most being. Your body is you, but your body is subject to who you are unless you give your body control. And the majority of people who live in this world have actually given their body complete control over their lives. Their body, their body tells them what they should watch on TV. Their body should t- tells them when, when they should pursue sex. Their body tells them when they need to eat. And the truth is you need to come into a place where your spirit tells your body what to do. Because if you are led by your body, your body will lead you into a place of sin and ultimately sickness and disease and destruction if you follow your body. If I followed my body, I would have got drunk last night. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm just saying that's how it used to be. My body used to crave certain things that were ungodly and I allowed my body to, 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 to lead me in the direction that it was going to go. Now, here's the truth. Your, your body is that part of you that, that is very self-focused. It's all about the appetite, how I feel, and it's, to- it's an animal. Your body left to itself is an animal. It, all it, wa- it wants to eat. It wants to have sex. It wants to sleep. I know this is rough. We got kids in here too. Y'all be all right. They need to hear about it sometime or another. <clears throat> a lot of times the problem is nobody talks to them about it, and that's the reason they get caught up in a mess. Somebody needs to sit down and have a conversation with them. Your body wants to do those things, and, 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 it, and, it just, and it's just given over to it. And that's why drugs and alcohol and addiction become so difficult, because as soon as people taste it, their, their physical body gets so addicted to it that they don't have enough strength anywhere else in their soul or their spirit to resist that temptation that their body's now addicted to. But it makes me self-focused. It's not, it's not others-focused. Now, my soul... The soul is the part of me that is my, it's my mind, it's the thoughts that I think, it's my will, it's my emotions, it's the decisions that I choose, it's my thought processes, it's everything that's going on in the realm of how I think and how I feel and ultimately the decisions I make. So I've got a body, 
And I've got a soul, and my soul is thinking all these things and, and, and feeling all these emotions and doing all these things. And my soul oftentimes gets others focused. You ever get focused on others? I'm, what are they going to think? What are they going to think? Well, I'm trying to look good before them. You know, I'm trying to impress them. I'm trying, you're just constantly thinking about what others think about you. You're constantly thinking about how they're going to perceive you, how they're going to feel about you, all of these things, and you spend your time thinking about this and feeling all of these things, and it's others-focused. But the spirit part of you, the spirit part of you, listen to this. Before you were a Christian, your spirit was dead. It didn't even have any life in it. So you were totally relegated to living out of your body and your soul. The Bible says that we pursued the lust of this world and of this flesh and the desires of our flesh, our body, and our mind. And we were just lost in this sea of, of sinfulness and ungodliness. And when we heard the gospel preach that Jesus loved us, that he died on the cross for our sin, that we could be forgiven, and we believed in that, the Spirit of God breathed new life into us and breathed into us, and our spirit just went... <gasps> And took a deep breath and came awake. But here's the problem is that my body and my soul, I've been feeding that thing for 30 years. And then all of a sudden my spirit comes alive. But it's just a baby on the inside of me. It's a baby that needs to be nurtured. It's alive, but it's still very weak. And this is why, for example, let me give you an example. When, when, whenever I was young, you know, I was addicted to drugs, alcohol, sex, all these different things. And, and at first, I just liked doing them. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was me. I liked doing it. I wasn't convicted. If you told me I was wrong, I didn't really care. I was going to do me. I was going to let you be you, right? And I had no conviction. But then when I read the Bible, I read the Word of God, I got convicted. I thought, my Lord. Maybe this is wrong. Maybe I'm living wrongly. Maybe this isn't right. And I got convicted. I gave my life to Jesus. And now all of a sudden, I realize I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be gossiping and hateful. I don't want to be addicted to alcohol. But the problem was, is that my body and my mind had been so trained and addicted to those things that they still had control of me. Now I had this inner turmoil going on. So as a Christian, sometimes what you'll have is you've got this inner turmoil. Romans 7, Paul talked about it. He said, the things I want to do, I cannot find the strength to do them. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself continually doing them. He said, who will deliver me from this body of death? I read somewhere where, where back in the day, a, a part of punishment was that if you murdered someone, they would literally tie that person's dead body to you and, and strap it to you until it rotted, and their very rot would begin to poison you, and you would die as well. So Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? What he's saying is, is that in Christ you have died to your old nature. If you're truly a Christian this morning, you've got the spirit of the living God on in the inside of you. And that part of you that wants to get angry, that part of you that wants to lust and look at pornography, that part of you that wants to gossip about people and be bitter and be upset all the time, that part of you is dead and you need to recognize it as a dead man. You need to, say, you need to believe, God, who will deliver me from this body of death? The thing is dead, but I don't even want it attached to me anymore, God. I want to be fully controlled by, 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 by your spirit on the inside of me, breathing life into me. So see, the enemy, the enemy works backwards. He works from body to soul to spirit. Now watch this, because if you go home today and you watch television, that's all you have to do. You'll find out exactly how the enemy works. Because advertisers work full-time to promote Satan's agenda. 
And his agenda is for you to love the world. The Bible says, do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but are of the world. And so he begins, if you notice, all of these things, if you, if you watch TV, you watch advertisements, watch what they appeal to. They appeal to the lust of your flesh. It's, they'll appeal to sex. I mean, we got cheeseburgers commercials with half-naked women eating cheeseburgers, Right? Why? To appeal to your physical body, to appeal to your soul, to make you make decisions based on sex. Amen. And we, just, we like a bunch of goons, just get, end up getting entranced by it. You know what I'm saying? And the enemy puts us to sleep because he appeals to our physical appetite. And then all of a sudden, once he gets in our physical appetite, he begins to work to our soul. The thoughts that we think then and the emotions that we feel and ultimately, the decisions we make are based then not on God's leadership, but on what my body says to do when he says to do it. I give, like, for example, if I wake up in the morning, there's a war that goes on on the inside of me, right? My flesh says, coffee, right? My body's... And you know what? I'm going to give my body some coffee because I just love coffee. And there ain't nothing inherently wrong with coffee unless I become such a coffee addict that it's just destroying me. I don't know anybody who's done that. If you find a man, show him to me. I'd like to see him. But, but my spirit is saying, God. My spirit is saying, pray. My spirit is saying, word of God. You ever had that war go on on the inside of you? I'd be sitting on the couch, tired as all get out, you know, turn TV on. And on the inside, the spirit's saying, no, you need to spend some alone time with God. But I'm like, Lord, I just want to sit here and veg out and watch TV. You ever, I mean, these are simple, practical ideas. But there is this war going on between your soul and body and your spirit. And all of a sudden, now, now you start to identify the thoughts that you think constantly because you will, you will begin to realize by the thoughts that you think on a daily basis whether or not the Spirit of God is in control or the Spirit of the world is in control of your life. Pay attention to the thoughts you think on a daily basis. Which one are you feeding the most? Which, what, what's going on there? So he works from body to soul and then ultimately, ultimately he, he entraps your spirit. He enslaves your spirit. And you're, you're, you're bound to the will of the enemy in your life. And here's, here's what I really believe. I believe that in this church, and there are people, individuals in this church, you've got a calling, we have a purpose on our lives and in this church. But I promise you, we will never ever be able to fulfill it until our spirits dominate our lives and the Holy Spirit is the one that is in control of our lives. Because as long as that's not happening, we're going to be burdened down by the weight of this flesh and our unclean thoughts and all of those things so that even though God is trying to get us to that place we're wrestling so much and we're so weak in spirit that we can't quite overcome what's in front of us to get there now the lord began to show me this and reveal it to me look at first corinthians three really quickly it says brethren now now notice you say well clay you might be you're a little bit rough on us this morning but listen what paul says imagine him coming in here and saying this to you guys this morning brethren i couldn't speak to you as spiritual people now because he's saying this to a church he said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. A carnal person is that person that is led by their body and their soul. And then he says, as babes in Christ. You're still just babes, he says. And then he says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Right? Did I got another verse? He says, for you are still carnal. And then that, notice what he says. For where there are envy, strife, 
and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I love that. Because notice what he's saying. He's saying, you're behaving like men. Well, say, oh, I didn't know there was anything wrong with that. I thought I was a man, Paul. I mean, what in the world are you talking about? He's saying, no, you're not just a man. You're a new creation in Christ. You have the spirit of the living God on, inside of you. You are designed and filled with God to demonstrate to the world that you ought not be living that way. There's another way of living. And he says, you can, no, you can no, go ahead and notify yourself that if there is envying and there is strife and you're arguing and quarreling and there's division in your life, in your home, in your workplace, and that stuff is dominating you, he's saying, recognize you're still carnal. Recognize you're still weak in spirit. And see, this is a hard word, but this is what the Lord said to me. And then he began to lay out for me. So, so here's what you have to do, Clay. You have to begin to change the way that you think. You have to begin to understand this war that's going on, on in your life. In Romans 8, he, he begins to say this. He says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What is he saying? He's saying that if my mind thinks only the thoughts of this world and of my flesh and of my selfish de desires, ultimately it will lead to death and destruction in my life. But he says, if I start to think according to what the Spirit of God on the inside of me is saying, then there will be life and there will be peace. Amen? Now, and, and again, you can sense this war going on on the inside. You ever just had somebody just get on your nerves terribly? And, 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 and used, used to, you know, you don't do it anymore. But used to, you would just react and get angry and snap back at them. Now, see, I used to have a severe anger problem. Like, I, I punched holes in walls. You know, my dad tell you about it. We got some holes and some doors and stuff. Like I, I punched holes in walls. You know, I did dumb stuff, okay? Anybody been there with me? Anybody amen me on that? All right. So somebody get me mad, I'd just react. And then when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, like my, I was so trained that when somebody would do something to me, I'd feel that little thing kind of jump up on the inside of me. But immediately the Spirit would be there. And he'd say, no. And I would just sense this peace, this life begin to flow. And I would be able to resist that anger and step away. Why? Because my spirit was growing stronger. I was beginning to now not listen to the voice of my flesh and of my soul. I was beginning to listen to the voice of the Spirit on the inside of me. But see, there's a process to getting to that place. You say, well, that just don't happen to me. I don't ever experience that. There's a process to getting to that place. See, a carnal person, again, is somebody who's very weak in spirit, but they're strong in their emotional life. They're strong in all this. And here's the problem, especially with the youth of, the, of today, is that they believe that somehow God is holding out on them. They believe that God doesn't want them to have fun. They don't believe that God wants them to have pleasure. Well, let me give you, let me give you a little warning. I tried everything you ever wanted to try three times. Okay? I already tried it all. I tested it out. And for a short period of time, it was a little bit fun. But you know what it led to? It led to absolute despair, absolute emptiness, absolute fear, worried about my life, just, just it, no joy whatsoever, complete depression. That's what it all led to. And so I begin to realize that God is actually a God of absolute pleasure, that God wants you to experience joy that you've never even imagined in your life. And this is why I love coming to church, because when I come to church, what I, you know, some people don't like it. And, I and a lot of times it's because they're weak in spirit. 
When they come to church, it's, it's kind of a burden to them because they want to be entertained. They've trained themselves to watch movies and watch things that will appeal to their soul and get them excited and all this. And God is saying, but if you were strong in spirit, you would come into church and the power of God would begin to roll in your belly and you'd begin to sense the, the presence and the spirit of God. And he would start to use you. There's not a day that I don't walk through those doors that I don't get somewhat a little bit excited at least to say, you know what, God, you're getting ready to use me to at least minister to one person person to speak to one person and I know that when I open my mouth if I listen to the spirit you're going to give me words beyond what I can even think and you're going to encourage somebody you're going to bless somebody and I get excited and I get you know I get to work two days a week at, at, a, at Best Blessing which is a rehab facility and we get to see women get saved get delivered and I leave the end of my work day full of joy I don't know if y'all ever leave the end of your work day full of joy or not that's a good word right there. You're not designed to just be a big clone of the world going to your workplace, getting off work. And saying, Gosh, that's terrible. I can't stand them people down there at work. They drive me half crazy. You know, and this is, this, is what, this is what Christians are doing nowadays. And they live in their workplace, in their work environment, and they're so conformed and they're so pressured and they're so weak in spirit that they actually begin to look just like the world. You know, somebody said to me the other day, he said, he said, the issue is with the church today, as Jesus said, to be in the world but not of it. And the problem is, is that people are of the world but not in it. That we've separated ourselves, but yet we act just like everybody else. That's a little bit convicting because we, do, we need to be in the middle of the world, but we need to be looking like heaven. We need to be in the middle of the world, in the middle of the stress, in the middle of the fear, in the middle of the drugs, in the middle of the alcohol, and looking like heaven so that when those people see us, they've got hope and they say there's a possibility, there's a chance for survival here. There's a chance to make a difference. Let's, let's look at Luke 180. Luke, Luke 180. It says, now this is talking about John the Baptist, right? He started his ministry when he was 30 years old. I'm 30 years old, so I probably looked a lot like him, except he had camel skins and a big beard and ate locusts and wild honey. Probably didn't have, I don't know how that affected his teeth or whatever, but. So it says the child grew and became strong in spirit. Notice that. For 30 years before his calling, before God released him into his ministry, he spent 30 years growing strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Let me say this to you. Let me say this to our church. There's a day coming that, that God, I've, I've seen little glimpses of it. For even individuals, that you're going to be manifested as a child of God. You're going to be revealed as your place in the kingdom. I don't know how that works out. It's, not, it's different than what you would think on, on natural terms. There's a day when you're going to come into who you are as a child of God. You're going to be manifested. But unless you go through that process of growing strong in spirit, you will never be released into the fullness. Here's what I'm saying is that John the Baptist had a calling on his life, but he could have aborted that calling because he lacked discipline. You have a calling on your life. This church has a calling on its life. But that calling and that plan and that purpose can be aborted if we lack discipline and don't grow strong in spirit. Now look at Luke 2.40. This is talking about Jesus. Now I would just say, you know, baby Jesus, he's, he is God in the flesh. And, then, and he's God in the flesh. And you think, well, he's perfect. He shouldn't have to do anything. But yet he'll fast like 40 days and 40 nights. He'll be praying all night to God in prayer. 
I'm like, Lord, you're perfect. Why you have to do this? Because you're setting a standard that's just is a little bit too much for me. I want to I wanna watch TV all night and eat chips. And you won't pray all night. And it says, but about Jesus, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So, and he started his ministry at 30 years old. So what he's saying is, and I'm not saying that you have to go through 30 years of spiritual growth. You need to be growing all the time. But I'm saying that God has something prepared for you, and it's on this other side of spiritual discipline and spiritual growth. And you have to dare yourself to grow strong in spirit, to say, I'm going to commit to growing strong in spirit because I know God's got something for me and I don't want to miss it. I want to give my life to growing strong in spirit. See, your accomplishment is going to be in in the world of God, in the kingdom of God. Your accomplishment in the kingdom of God is going to be directly related to the amount of spiritual growth you have. To amount of how much you grow strong in spirit. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, who raised over 10 people from the dead, here's what he said, and I loved it. I've said it a million times. But he said, how can you expect to be strong in spirit, to see miracles, to see God move in you? How can you expect to do that when you feed your body three hot meals a day and you feed your spirit one cold snack a week? Now begin to think about that. How can you expect to grow? How can you expect to see God do miracles in your life when you feed your body three hot meals a day and you feed your spirit one cold snack a week? That's a good word, right? See, Galatians 5, 17, it basically says, it says that my spirit is warring. And y'all are going to experience this because a part of every person in here, a part of you, you want to do what God wants, wants you to do. But there's something else going on in you. It says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against his flesh. They're pulling against one another. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now over in chapter 6 though, it says something different. It says that he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. What he's saying is, is which one, whichever one you choose to feed the most is the one that's going to dominate your life. You can either choose to feed your flesh and feed your soul. You can choose to sit and watch mindless television and scroll Instagram and Facebook for hours and hours and hours and watch ridiculous videos and just sit in that gom for days. And I'm not saying, look, Facebook is good, we use it, right? There's, there's some good things in that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying quit those things. I'm saying prioritize your relationship with God above every other thing in your life because if you do not, you will not reach that place that God has for you in your life. It's an impossibility. And I know that's a difficult word, but what I know is that if I had not realized this, I would not be preaching this word to you today. I would still be getting drunk and getting high because I would have been too weak to overcome. You know how many Christians come out of addiction and they come out of addiction and they sincerely want to give their life to Jesus and they get saved, but they cannot shake that addiction. They cannot overcome it. And we say, well, I just don't believe they got saved in the first place. The truth is it's very likely that they got saved, but they never became disciples and they never grew spiritually. Let me tell you something, my heart is so for this thing. I cannot tell you that my, my, how, I'm not, there's people that are gifted to, to evangelize and try to get people saved, but my thing is not so much about getting people to come to Jesus as it is getting the people that have come to Jesus to become who Jesus has made them to be. 
That is, what I, that is what God has placed in my heart. Is that I want the people who have said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. Do you really? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm excited about this being a Christian thing. Because there's a whole lot of things that Jesus has promised me that I ain't seen yet. And I get pumped. And I'm seeking breakthrough. And God's going to give it to me. That's just all there is to it. You know why? Because I ain't going to quit. I'm going to grow, and I'm going to seek, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to call upon the Lord. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord during hard times. Somebody criticizes me, I'm going to smile at them and love them. Somebody tries to gossip about me, I ain't gossiping with you. Somebody comes at me, I'm going to let the Lord lead me out of that foolishness and into a strong spirit so that I can fulfill God's promise in my life. Amen? Let that be in our lives, Lord. I feel pretty good about this. At some point, you have to decide. Let me just, let me just be simple with you. At some point, you have to decide if you're going to live the Christian life. At some point. And that consists of certain things. But I tell you what it doesn't consist of is being complacent. It doesn't consist of being lazy. It's a disciplined life. The Christian life always, since it started, was always a disciplined life. Every man, Jesus, his disciples, they were men of prayer. They were men of fasting. They were men who would get out and preach the gospel and share the gospel. They were men who would spend hours in prayer. Before they would go out, they would pray, they would fast, they would seek the face of God. They were men of discipline. They studied the Word of God. They understood the Word of God. They were men of discipline. And if we're going to experience the breakthrough that God wants us to see, it will be because we chose and we said, look, God, this looks hard starting out because it always does. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord challenges me all the time. The Lord challenges me and says, son, you know, you used to do these things. And he never, he never punishes me, never gets angry at me. But it's in his love that he says, I got more joy for you. And I've got more peace for you, but it's going to come through a lifestyle of discipline. The joy is at the other side of discipline. The freedom is at the other side of discipline. And so I become what I eat. You are what you eat physically, emotionally, spiritually. So ask yourself, what am I eating physically? Right? That's important. It really is. What do I eat on a daily basis? But what's even more important is what am I eating emotionally? Who am I listening to? Who are the people around me that are influencing me and speaking evil and gossiping and saying all kinds of negativity? Cut it out. Don't let that stuff in your life. Guard your ears. Guard your eyes. Guard what you're receiving emotionally. What are you watching? What are you listening to? But what am I eating spiritually? Now, see, if I'm going to grow strong in spirit, I'm going to give you three quick things and I'm going to be done. Y'all still with me, right? I'm going to give you three quick things to growing strong in spirit, and they're the most simple things in the world, but still, sometimes we, we, we fail to really grab a hold of them, so I'm going to try to give them to us. Now, the first one is that if, I, if I'm going to watch what I eat, spiritually, emotionally, physically, the first thing spiritually, if I'm going to grow strong in spirit and increase my spiritual capacity, because here's what you have to understand. Being filled with the Spirit of God is a very interesting thing. Because it's not that he just feels this body. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is actually where God lives. Right? He lives here. He lives there too. And then corporately when we gather together, he manifests himself among us. Because he lives in us. It's a mystery. It's an awesome mystery. 
He lives in this body, but where he actually dwells is by the Holy Spirit in my spirit. We have uninterrupted communion. He's there always. So when I pray, I don't have to pray as if he's out there. I can pray as if he's right here. I know, I know that there is this mysterious realm of heaven where he sits on a throne or whatever, but I know that he's right here at the same time through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I, know, I, I begin to learn that this is where he leads me from. You know, if I get a prophetic word or God says pray for that person, you know where it usually comes from? It comes from an impression right here. I don't even know how to explain it. It comes from an impression right here. And in my mind, I think a thought. Why? Because the Spirit of God that lives in my spirit just taught my mind how to think. Is that too much? So if I'm going to grow, I have to, that's why the Bible talks about being spirit, having spiritual discernment. Know what the Spirit is saying. Know what's going on. But if I'm going to grow strong in spirit, the first thing that I have to be dedicated to without fail is the Word of God. The Word of God, that's the first thing, number one. I've got to eat the Word of God. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say, give us this day our weekly bread, or monthly bread, or Sunday bread. He said, give us this day our daily bread. If you're a Christian that is dedicated on growing strong in spirit, you have got to be dedicated to the Word of God. Every day, you have to eat food to stay alive. I'm telling you that spiritually, in order to stay alive, you have got to receive the Word of life into your spirit because this right here, the Word of God, is what your spirit man eats. And this is why prayer and fasting is so powerful because what happens during prayer and fasting is when, I pr- when I'm praying and I'm reading God's Word, my spirit man is getting nourished and he's growing strong. And when I fast, my body is not getting any, any nourishment and he's growing weaker. My flesh is getting weaker, but my spirit is getting stronger until my spirit, dwell- indwelt by the Holy Spirit, takes over my entire life. And Jesus said, this is how you will know the sons of God. They're led by the Spirit of God. Is everybody still with me? I'm just checking to make sure. I know this is a little bit heavy, a little bit heavy. Give me one of them and say, hey, I'm with you. All right, I got three with me. We'll finish up for you three. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, 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 listen, I never want to get up here and preach and hurt anybody or anything like that. That's never my intention. But one thing that you do have to understand is that sometimes when the Word of God comes forth, it cuts a little bit, right? Just a little bit. So it's good for me, and I want it to cut. And I'm not saying for, 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 to cut you. I want it to cut me. It says, The Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the spirit and the soul and the joints and the marrow. The joints and the marrow is your body, your bones. But it's not just your body, it is literally down into the bone marrow of who you are. Because if you start to read the Word of God and you read it over and over again, what you're going to find is that the Word of God will divide you out and separate you. And it will discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And as you're reading, I promise you, it will change you because it will begin to divide you and say, that's not the real you. And you need to recognize that that's not the real you and you need to let me cut it off. That's what happens when you read the Word of God because it's alive and it's powerful. And it will begin to cut away at some certain things. Now, when I read the Word of God, I kid you not, I, even when we were in here praying, you know, I was in here praying for, for, for a while, but the, what, I, what I did first part of starting out, now my prayer life changes. It's, it's all over the place. It changes. It's never the same. And I like it that way because God is dynamic and He can do whatever He wants with me. 
I'll be praying in tongues for two hours. I'll be praying in English for an hour. I'll read the Bible and pray the Bible for an hour. I do, I do, I'll go outside and walk and make declarations. I, you know what I'm saying? I'll do whatever it is that I feel like the Spirit of God is leading me to do in that moment. And I don't try to relegate it to you got to pray like this, you got to do that. You got to pray how you want to pray in that moment. That's how you go. You're going to learn to pray because you choose to pray, right? But, but one of the ways that I will pray too as well is I will get in the Word of God and I'll just start reading it. I sat in here the other night and I just read through 1 John. And as I'm reading it, I'm praying it out and I'm literally looking for the sword to penetrate my heart. And I read something about how... I read something about how God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Oh man, and I just let that set into me for a minute. And I said, Lord, expose any darkness. He started to deal with issues in my heart. He started to deal with pride. He started to deal with jealousy. He started to deal with worry. He started to deal with those things. I say, Lord, cut that out. That's not a right attitude to have toward these people. That's not a right attitude to, to feel about this situation. Cut that out. And I let, I let him move into it. I let him move into it. Then I, I read another verse as I'm going down, and it says, it says, He who says he knows God but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I thought, my God. I let that oh, slide it in a little deeper there. And I, I'm, I'm literally picturing Jesus with a sword out. Come on, walk on into it, son. Walk on into it. I just step on into it and I take the sword. Because he's going to have to put me to death. If I'm going to be of any benefit to myself, to my family, to you, he's going to have to put clay to death. Because if clay gets resurrected again from the dead and comes back and, I, and, and somebody turns me loose up behind this pulpit, it's going to be a bad Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And so I, and, and here's, here's the thing. When you get in the Word of God, though, and you're reading the Word of God, you've got to read it for yourself, okay? You have got to get in your Bible, read it, mark it, write it, memorize it. If you don't do that, you're not going to grow strong in spirit. It's impossible. It's got to be a daily walk. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You cannot live without the, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not going to live spiritually without it. So, so you got to be in that word. And you got to allow him, him to confront some areas. But here, you know, in that scripture, Paul talked about, he said, I fed you milk. Because a babe needs milk. And, and sometimes it's tough because here's the truth. You came in here this morning, you might be a babe, and I'm giving you some meat right now. Okay? This is meat. But let me give you some milk, for example. Like in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Not plans of evil, but plans of a hope and a future and to bring you to an expected end. That good thing which I have started in you, I will fulfill it, says the Lord. Right? He's got encouraging words. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn, because it's your inheritance, says the Lord. That means that even though I'm preaching difficult words, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you stand righteous, you stand uncondemned, you stand guiltless, you stand unblameable before the presence of God this morning, even though I'm bringing a hard word, right? That's milk. It comforts you. It soothes you because it lets you know Jesus says that when you put your faith in him, you might have some struggles. You might fail. You might, not, you might even spend years not growing spiritually at all. But he's promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Behold, I will be with you even until the end of the age. This is the milk of the word. 
And praise God, we need the milk of the Word to encourage us on a daily basis. But I also need that meat of that Word, the Word of righteousness that will correct me. And listen, a, strong, a weak spirit cannot take correction. Somebody who is weak in spirit and very active in their flesh and in their emotions, if, if the Word of God or a person brings them correction, I remember the first time a guy tried to correct me. Oh, hey, you know, we about threw down. But I was operating in the flesh. But now, I'm open to correction. I want that sword to come into my life. I want it to be exposed. But you have to eat the Word of God every day. Amen? Y'all committing to that? Say, I'm going to start open. You know what, Clay? I don't read my Bible. I'm going to start reading it. Be the best thing you've ever done in your life. It transformed my life. I didn't go to church, folks. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and sex and hatred and anger and all these things. And I didn't go to church. I started reading the Bible. Then the Bible led me to the Spirit, and the Spirit led me to the church. That's how it happened. The church is is vitally important. Come, keep coming, but man, get in your Bible. Second thing is prayer. I have to spend intentional time Hopefully on a daily basis. Now listen, don't get condemned. If you fail in prayer, don't allow that spirit of condemnation to rise up in you and say, well, you know, you've not prayed. Why even pray now? Just let go. No, if you've not prayed in two weeks, who cares? Begin to pray. Begin to set aside intentional time. If you miss a couple of days, say, all right, I missed a couple of days. Big deal. Lord loves me. And get in the presence of God and begin to pray. Now, when I first started praying... I, re- I remember, you know, I-, I was praying a lot, and I can remember, I said, you know what, Lord, I don't know really how to do this, so I'm going to do it this way. And I had, like, the first worship, because I used to never, I didn't know, even know there was a such thing as Christian music. And somebody gave me a worship CD, and I said, here's what I'm going to do, Lord, this thing's an hour long, I'm going to put it on, a, uh, and I'm going to put it on play, and I put it on play, and I would lay in the floor, and I would read my Bible, and I would pray until that thing ended. And I would just talk to the Lord. Sometimes I didn't have anything to say, I'd be like, oh, I don't really know what to say, Lord, but I... This is good music, and I'm glad that I'm with you, and this is good. And then something else would come to my mind, you know, and I'd pray. And I started to pray. I started to spend time with the Lord. And here's the thing. Most of the time when I used to pray, what I would do is bring this big laundry list to God, right? You got like this list. Lord, bless Daddy, bless Mommy, bless Sissy, uh, bless Tommy, bless Billy. And, And you like go through this list. And help me here, God. Help me there, God. Help me there, God. I got this going on, God. And you, so you're blessing people, and then you're laying out every struggle that you've got that you want God to deliver you from, right? You ever pray like that? Hey, pray like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to learn. Learn to bring your list before God, but learn to pray according to presence. And what I mean by that, I know that sounds very spiritual, But the truth is, is that when you come into prayer, begin to offer God worship. Just begin to talk to God however you want. You can do it in a variety of ways. You can walk outside and pace. You can come into the church and sit. You can sit in your bedroom and open the Bible. Whatever way. But begin to talk to the Lord and share your heart with God. But what you need to notice is is that when prayer happens, you're not so much going to bring something to God as God's going to start bringing something to you. Mark 11, 24 says, What things soever you desire when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What that means to me is, is that when I, when I start to pray, I may be praying for one thing, but when I start to pray, all of a sudden the presence of God warms my heart. My desires change. I start thinking about somebody else or something else, and I begin to pray that out. And I begin to pray that out over and over and over again. 
And, and, and you're, you're allowing the presence of God to shape your desire and change your desires. But here's the thing. In prayer, you have to set intentional time apart to spend time with God to allow Him to develop that prayer life. And you cannot grow strong in spirit without a prayer life. This ongoing life of prayer and in the Word. And for those of you who can hear it, not everybody's going to hear this, and a lot of times this calls people to quit your church and everything. But for those of you who can hear it, praying in tongues is a very powerful thing. For those of you who can't hear it, come talk to me. We'll talk about it. But people need to be filled with the Spirit of God, and they need to be praying in tongues. For those of you that can. For those of you that will. And most people say, well, you can't say that behind the pulpit. People get scared and not come back to your church. It's the Word of God. The Bible says that he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. The Bible says in Jude 20, Beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, that if I pray in an unknown tongue, watch this, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what I mean by that is I can pray in tongues for, an, for a period of time, and as I'm doing it, my mind may, not, may or may not be thinking anything, but my mind becomes the canvas for God's spirit to speak to me. Right? Right? So as I'm, pray, as I'm praying in tongues for a while, this is every, almost every time I start praying, I start by praying in tongues. And as I start, this may be too much. But look, this ain't the way I started. So if you're not there yet, just say, I'll get there later, Clay. That's all right. Because God still bless you. You pray in English all you want. Just keep praying. Keep praying in English. He'll bless you just as much. But all of a sudden, I pray in the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, God will give me things to speak out in English and declare out in prayer, right? And this is happening. This presence of God is happening. The third thing, my last thing. My last thing is fellowship. So you got the Word of God, you got prayer, and the last thing you got is fellowship. Now this is the exchange of life. This is that I have brothers and sisters in my life that I, that I have to share life together with. If you're a Christian and, and, and you are not... And this is why church is important. This is why, you know... I went to a church one time. We went to, I was at church like four days a week, and the preacher would get up sometimes and holler at, me for, holler at you for not being at church every time the doors are open and all this stuff. And You know, I've been to churches like that. I think it's extremely important to come to church. I'll just say that to you. And I think you need to be here. I'm not going to get on you when you're not here because that's your prerogative. You get to choose what you do with your own life. But I'm telling you, I'd love for you to be here. I'd love for you to make a commitment to the house of God. Right To be here, because the one thing that I know that's going to do is that if you come here, you're going to get strengthened. You're going to get refreshed. And the stronger you get, actually, the more powerful these services are going to become. Because that's what it's dependent upon, is how we grow as a body and gather together in the name of God and believe God for greater things. But I have to have the exchange of life. And this is one of the reasons that we have small groups, because in small groups, you've got the Word of God, you've got prayer, and you've got this exchange of life going on. Now, in my life, I need somebody that's stronger than me pulling me up. I need somebody that will pour into my life, that will speak to me. See, I, I, I've, got, I've got Donald on my side. I can come to him. I can share with him how I feel about things. I can pour out my heart. He'll give me advice. He'll give me tips. He'll give me this and that. And then I've got people in my life that, that are under me that I'm trying to pull them up as well. And I need that tension of somebody pouring in my life, pulling me up, and me at the same time pulling others up as well. And I've got to have those relationships in my life where I have that exchange of life. And when we talk about fellowship, I'm not just talking about hanging out. I'm talking about 
talk, bringing Jesus into the conversation, bringing the Word of God, what God is speaking to you into the conversation. This is the kind of fellowship that transforms you. You know, sometimes I go, I go to baseball games with people. I go shoot guns with people. And that's fun and it's good and you've got to have that in a relationship. But sometimes you have got to have fellowship in your life where you get together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You sit down and you have a meal together and you reflect on what God is doing in your life. You bless that meal. You bless your brother, your sister, and you begin to discuss what Jesus is doing. You share the Word of God. You read the Word of God. You pray for one another. You build one another up. Proverbs uh, 27, verse 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. you got people in your life that if you don't allow them to get in, up in your grill and, 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 give, and give themselves to you, you're not going to get sharp. You're going to stay dull. You ain't going to cut nothing down. you got to have people in your life that do that. Look at verse 6. I like this one. Faithful are the wounds of a friend... But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You ever notice that? My best friends in life will sometimes... My my best friend right now tends to be my wife. But let me tell you something. She'll wound me on occasion. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know why she does it? Because she loves me. And anytime she brings something in me up, she she confronts me about stuff that I that I honestly need to change. And she does it in a loving way. She doesn't do it in a nagging way. Amen. Got to work on that sometimes. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. It would, not, it, would it be any good for us at all if I just got up here this morning and said, you all are wonderful and everything, you're doing everything perfectly and you're lovely and you're all together excellent. Don't change anything. Don't grow spiritually. You're already there. If somebody says something like that to you, they're probably your enemy. They're flattering you to get the upper hand. They'll be trying to get in your pocketbook next or something. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I want to be healed on the inside of me. I want to say, listen, man, I'm angry and I need somebody to pray for me and help me get rid of this anger in my heart. I need to renounce this stuff in my life and get rid of it. Pray for me. I confess that I'm dealing with lust. I'm struggling with this and I need somebody to help me. Come alongside of me and pray for me and help me. Those brothers will come alongside of me and say, man, you got to quit this. We're going to do it together. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You've got to have that fellowship. But see, these three things, if I'm going to be intentional about growing strong in spirit, and you can do these three things. These are not outside of your reach. You can learn to read the Word of God. You can learn to pray. You can learn to get people in your life. Listen, we're getting ready to launch small groups here at the end of August. There will be a small group for you to get involved in, period. And you need those things in your life to get involved in to have people in your life that you can develop relationship with and they can help you. I'm going to close with one last thing, but let me ask you this question as I start. Are there things in your life that you used to do that now you can't even believe you did them and a matter of fact, you hate the fact that you ever did them at all? Anybody? I'm that way. Proverbs 20, 27 says this. Notice. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord 
searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So notice this. In my soul, sometimes in my soul I've got anger, I've got depression, I've got fear, I've got lust. In my soul, and here's the problem with most people, is that there's so much darkness in there that it never gets exposed, and they live their whole life with all these skeletons in their closet, walking in darkness with all these hidden things in their heart. And what I'm saying to you is that when you grow strong in spirit, the Spirit of God is that light. You know the Bible says you are the light of the Lord. You cannot be that light on a spiritual level. I believe that demons know when certain people walk in the room. Hey, I've seen people walk in a room, and some people look like this, walk out. I've seen it happen. Because Jesus is the light of the world, but that light on the inside of him was God permeating his inner being, his spirit. He was God in the flesh, but his spirit was, it, the Bible says that he was filled without measure. See, you only have a measure. You know why? Because God can only feel as much, as, as, as big as you are spiritually. If I'm this big spiritually, he can only feel that much. But if I'm this big spiritually, he can feel that much. And I walk around as a light this big, right? And so the spirit of man on the inside of me, when God feels that, it becomes a lamp and it shines into every, all the depths of my heart. And it begins to expose the things that I need to surrender to the Lord. It begins to deal with those issues. And so when I grow strong in spirit, what's going to happen is I'm going to start to recognize things about me that aren't lining up with the way God's calling me to be. And it will challenge me to change and lay it down to God. Amen? Stand to your feet right quick. We're going to go ahead. I, and come to the music, if you will. But we're going to begin to pray. Let me ask you this. How many people, you say, all right, you don't even have to raise your hand. I just want you to, I just want you to acknowledge this. But how many people would acknowledge, you know what, this is a word that I need to take heed to and I need to, I need to begin to discipline myself to grow strong in spirit. I need to begin to give my life to this thing because I don't want to miss what God has for me. Just, let's just pray. Just, be, just, just close your eyes. Open your hands up to the Lord right now. I believe He wants to impart something to you. Father, right now, God, one of the, one of the prayers that Paul prayed was that Your Holy Spirit would come and strengthen us in our inner man. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would breathe on every person and that you would bring strength right now into their inner man. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you right now. Holy Spirit, fill us up to overflow. God, begin to fill us. Just begin to call upon the Lord to fill you. And Holy Spirit, shine your light into the depths of every place of our soul and of our heart. And Word of God, we pray you cut away the fear. God, cut away the anger. Cut away the frustration and the anxiety and the worry and the bitterness. Cut it away, God. Cut away the complacency and the laziness, God, of our hearts. And Lord, shine into our hearts, God, where we've, where we've missed it, where, we've, where we need to surrender and yield that place to you. 
God, cut that away and Holy Spirit, fill us right now in that area. Replace that with love. Replace that with peace. Replace that with joy right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. forward this morning yet anymore. Just keep praying right where you're at, just for a moment. Just keep As a response to God, let me. Everybody's got their heads down, but if you, if you, if you, for, for, my first question is, is: is you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You're not saved. You want to be saved. You want to know Jesus. You want to start a relationship with Him. You want to know that heaven is your home. You want to be forgiven of your sin. If that's you, raise your hand to me right quick. Let me know. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? All right. Secondly. If you know something that the Lord is asking you to yield to Him right now, if you know He's asking you to say, let this go, let me start to take care of this and cut this out of you, would you lift your hand just let me know? Just let me know that the Lord's asking you to yield that thing to Him. All right. Father God, we yield that to you right now. Just tell Him, say, Lord, I, I give you that right now. I give you my lust. I give you my anger. I give you my gossip, God, my gossiping tongue, my, my lips, the things that I've spoken, the way that I've hurt people. God, take that from me now. Cut that out of me, Lord. Guard my mouth. Guard my lips. Don't let me speak an evil word about another person. Don't let there be a curse come out of my mouth. God, I give you that part of my, my heart right now. Lord, cut it out of me. Take the anger away, God. Right now, I just yield that to you, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you to take it away from me. And I'm asking you to give me the strength to begin to grow spiritually. So that when that thing tries to come back on me, God, I can say no in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can resist it. And Father, begin to lead us and guide us. So that we can grow strong in spirit and we can be filled with your spirit, God, in Jesus' name.